Good uh, morning, everyone. Um, apologies for my voice not sounding like me, but it's part of the testimony of why I'm standing here today. So um, if I started to shake um, and sweat, it's because of two reasons. Because um, it is scary standing on this side of, of the podium. And secondly, it's because of all the stuff Tilla gave me yesterday um, from the pharmacy. <laughs> I had to drink, and she did warn me that that's, well, that's what's going to happen if you drink eight pills of cortisone or something that um, was prescribed. Um, so although Quentin prayed, I also just want to pray that, and it's based on a prayer I received this morning, and that the Lord gave me yesterday, or even since I felt sick on Wednesday. Um, so Lord, I want to ask, as Quentin said, and even through this morning in, in our morning prayer was move to the side that I can work. Father, that's not me. That's not for my glory or for Josh Jane's glory. Father, but it's for your glory. So, Spirit, I want to ask that you turn our eyes onto you. That our ears are turned into your words. And that you give us open and willing hearts. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so as you know, I'm a bit of a formal corporate guy. So what I tend to do, I go to presentation mode. Um, so that keeps me safe. It gives you visibility of what I'm trying to say, and it helps me find my way. So I'm going to start off with a little intro. Um, can go to the next slide. Thanks, Rian. Um, so for this, if it helps... So I need to see what you see. Um, say the theme, or sorry, now I'm standing in front of you guys. Okay, okay let's try the year. So a theme that the Lord has put on my heart. Um, let's say for the last six months, is a theme of no, yes, but, and that was my way of handling a lot of stuff. So if a question comes to me, even from my kids, I will say no, um, yes, but maybe, and then I never action anything. So the Lord has been keeping on this, no, yes, but, and I want to use that phrase and just delivering something, and it's more a testimony of what God has done in my life than this profound preach or teaching. And if I look at no, yes, but, the bottom line is just hesitation or procrastination, whatever you want to call it. So if we go to the next slide, maybe some, some words of wisdom from very profound people like Patrick Swayze, could do fancy moves in the 90s or something. Um, but he said that fear causes hesitation. And hesitation will cause your worst fears to come through. Next one. I don't know that guy. I'm not sure if he was in a famous movie or something. I don't know. But hesitation is one of the worst of sins. Because hesitation, in hesitation, you do not live. You go nowhere. You just, should I go, should I not? And then, ah, oh, just leave it. The next one. Ernest Hemingway. 
interesting, he was quite a famous dude. Hesitation increases in relation to risk in equal proportion to age. It was quite interesting for me. Nothing, I don't know, I'm still young, so we should ask the grey kind of guys there. But my personal observation is, as we grow older, we tend to hesitate a bit more. We're not willing to take the risk. We're not quick to act. And I think the last one is the most profound from a lady that I quite know. <laughs> so Lindy has this thing that she says in her home. As she ever as she ate. So if you, if you hesitate, you're out. And yeah, that was part of our household. There's stuff that we do. But the more I think about it, it's actually true. If you hesitate, you're out. So if we go to the next slide, and I think, again, what Thunder, you said there was a banger of a song. And I, that was amazing. This was a banger of a movie. Um, so for the youngsters, if you haven't watched it, good afternoon fun. Um, the Beauty and the Beast. I think there was a recent remake of it, a bit more modern, a bit more technology applied to it. But I think the drift of what I'm getting to is we understand the beast part up till now. And that's the, this no yes but issue. But in that movie, there's a princess, this, this butte that falls in love with this beast, which in our case, hesitation. So now you're already confused completely. Of how do you marry something in hesitation that the intent was to sketch in a questionable manner of why is that good? And we all agree, I think it's not good. But then we've got this beauty, and they actually loved each other. So how will this come together? Hopefully before you go home, the two will marry. But we'll get to the beauty a bit later. So true to my nature of structure and presentation, and a bit of a process flow. I wanted to, to show you this. So, as you by now, our topic or our challenge is this no yes but environment. Like I said, it's, it's hesitation, it's overthinking, overanalyze, slow processing. So, yeah, on that, just pause at break is one time I took my computer, old computer, to the computer shop, and I said to the guy, I've got a slow processor. And my wife says, I know. <laughs> I said, no, the computer, love, not me. Um, but we are sometimes slow in processing based on our no, yes, but program that we have. So typical behaviors... And if I can sketch it in the dark side, um, Satan comes always to kill, destroy, and steal. And he even came and destroy our alphabet. So he has an ACFP alphabet. Where if you're in this behavioral kind of aspect of hesitation, 
the things you demonstrate is an apathetic kind of behavior. And when I looked at the word, the thing that is apathetic, it's a pathetic way of thinking. Oh, that's an apathetic attempt. The second one, the C, is complacent. Um, and it's almost like this boiling a frog kind of approach. You're just comfortable. You, you don't know what's happening because you're complacent. You don't take action. You're okay with where you're at. The F, all of it ends up in fruitlessness caused by fear. And I think Simone did a brilliant job in just explaining how disarming fear is at times. And P, it's pride. We don't want to make a step. We don't want to make a choice because it might not be in line with what I think or what I perceive as being right. Or how will it reflect to me? Again, back if I can use Simone, it was all about me, me, me. And when she was slotted in the team, that pride thing just became smaller. That's what I understood from what Simone shared. So that's on the one side. But let's just transition. What is the opposite then of this no yes but thing? So I went into trusted Google and say, okay, what is the opposite? So the words that came out is something like continue, persist, persevere, carry on, but then go, attack, dive in, confident in action, immediate obedience. And I thought, okay, that's good. What is that typical behavior? Luckily, still structure, A, B, C, D, E, F. That's the one we understand, the one that's not broken. And we all know ABC, and if you don't have that teaching, go on the 412 app. Mornay did a brilliant job of explaining abiding, belonging, and contribute. That's part of our, our values of, of Josh Jane. And then we add some poetic um, freedom, and I give cre uh, credit to, to, to Kuna. With, let's, the D, E, and F was added to so if you're in that space, after ABC, you start discipling, you start evangelizing, you walk faithful so that you are fruitful. So just to explain these two concepts and the two opposites in where you're at. So in summary, that apologies for the little spelling mistake last night at 11. Um, to the left, keep in mind, and I think France quoted that last week as well, Satan does not attack backslidden believers or even non-believers who do, do not honor God as they are just as he wants them. You, you don't harm him, you're just there. So you don't feel attacked. So when you are under attack, let's look at the other side, thanks. Satan's worst onslaught is on believers who are making a difference for the kingdom. So if you are willing to raise your hand, you're signing up for battle.
stilla, ik begin het nou. So, um, I'm giving you each a piece of paper, and now tell us, pull a scoop in. Um, so, it's, it's nothing profound, it's a piece of white paper with a circle on. But what you write on it will potentially be profound for yourself. So, there's a few extra pens that's being dished out. Um, so we'll get into that now. So apologies if I need to take a break, uh, or else this will become messy. If, did everyone get one? If there's not enough, we can share, or I can email one to you or give it to you. Um, or you can just scribble on any piece of paper. But now that we've looked at the, the two sides of the coin, hesitation, the no, yes, but kind of environment, and maybe as well as the, the action portion, the obedience... I want to ask you, and this is just between you and God. If you are willing to write something on that piece of paper that you hesitate about, that someone maybe um, asked you, someone that, you, that the Lord has put on your heart, but you hasn't actioned it yet. You still don't, I need to think about it. I still need to, hmm, I don't know. I still need to analyze. And don't go be... I'm that I'm still praying about it. It's good. You need to pray about it. But if that's all you do, you might want to write it down. So I just wanted to give you a little opportunity quickly. Do quick business with God and saying, God, what is, the, what is that thing? I'm not willing to action yet. I'm not, I'm not there yet, Lord. Let's write it down. We'll come back to that circle later. So as you think, so as I said in the beginning, this is not a preach or even a teach. But I hope this is an encouragement out of a testimony of, of my story. And my prayer is that this will give you hope and it will also give an opportunity of restoration in a relationship or even in your relationship with Jesus. Or a relationship with a friend, your wife, your kids, kids to a parent. That's my prayer for today, based on my testimony. So as I said, I'm a slow processor. I make decisions slowly. And that causes me at times to be very ineffective. So the reason I'm standing here this morning... It's a simple, but in my life, a profound act of obedience. In the past, I've been asked, so when do you preach? People ask that 
my wife was on my case, Chad was on my case, and a lot of other people. So win, win. And I said, no, yes, but mm, no, it's not my time yet. And then last Sunday, after Francis preached, and I, this could be seen as a sequel to Francis preach. So you haven't, if you've missed Francis preach, please go and, and listen to it. In that afternoon, Dan posted a message on the leaders group based on a dream Jeannie had and that she shared with, with Dan. And I asked Jeannie permission to share. Um, and if, can, I, can I read it, Jeannie? And that was one of the reasons why I'm standing here today. So the Lord works in mysterious ways. And the only reason I want to read it to you guys so that I don't cock it up. And I'm just going to read it as Dan typed it. So Ginny's dream that there was an antique sale happening in the church. She only recognized a couple of people that were there. There were um, various antiques, but she particularly remembered one old clock being sold. In the dream, her spirit did not like what was happening. It seemed out of step with the church. That was all Jeannie remembered. But as she shared it with me, Dan, it immediately spoke to me about old ways and traditions. God has called us to present something as a church, and we need to guard our hearts about wanting to return or bring in old ways the antiques, not that I'm an antique, please. Some might even try to sell the old ways to us, but that isn't what we have been called to. The clock speaks to me about the importance of what is happening right now. The enemy wants the time to pass and for us to miss what God is doing. So be on high alert. There is a move of the spirit that the enemy wants to derail. But by hearing God and keeping in step, we can be ready for the move as it comes. So to be vulnerable, what happened is I had a little afternoon nap. It, it doesn't happen a lot. But when I woke up, the first I watched, I, I've read this message. And I was convinced it's time. It's time for me to stand up and speak. Because I was that old clock. I was the guy that says, mm, maybe not me, not now. Um, I was holding on to the old ways. My wiring was, I'm not equipped yet. I haven't been trained. I don't know how to prep a preach. Maybe there's a formula. I don't know. How, how do you do that? People go and study for years. And then they come up with this profound preachers. So I'm not trained. I'm not ready. I'm not less. Act villy. And then, I'm not an elder yet. That's for the elders. They, they need to do it. Or you need to have a study. Or you should have done it. Then you are able to. Yeah. And then this whole thing, God was smacked me on my nose. No, yes, but again. And he took me back to a word 
I received from Jeanette, that's Andrew's sister. Some of you might remember they were here supporting our, our leaders camp in February. And we stand there at the back and she walked in that morning and she walked straight to me. And her words was, you have a heart that loves people deeply, but you use your mind or your hesitation to protect your heart. And then that Sunday afternoon, pass on, I said to Dan, if, if you're willing, let me have a go. Because I need to be obedient. Because a hard decision gives energy, it gives focus, it gives unity for the long term. But a mind decision leaves you tired, exhausted, and at times it's a very short impact. And I think through obedience, what I'm trying to do is make a hard decision. Saying, Lord, whatever you want to do, if it's only once, it's, it's okay. But I needed to train myself in getting out of hesitation mode, out of analyzing everything and just being obedient. So given that it's a preach, we need to look at scriptures. So let's look at the first one. Oh my, I don't know how this slipped in. Oh, keep it up, keep it up. We, we might be able to use this. <laughs> Any youthy that wants to read this verse for us? <laughs> I don't know how that slipped in, but if it's usable, parents, write it down there on your piece of paper. It's scriptural. Discipline then. Okay, let's go to Acts 8. 27. So where the scripture comes from was when Jesus sent out these disciples and um, Philip was asked to go and speak to this Ethiopian chap that was in quite a high rank in Ethiopia and he met him at a, a junction or a street and then he proclaimed the gospel to this Ethiopian. All of us know the story. And the guy got baptized and off he go. So the one thing that stood out for me is Philip was obedient. He immediately went. When the Holy Spirit or the angel asked, hey, you need to go and meet that guy, he got up and go. He went. He didn't, um, okay, I might be away for two days. I need sandals. I need shoes. I need some money. Um, which road, but that's a bit of a, not a safe road. How will I, that was not, he went up and he, and he, and he go. But what was amazing when I tested it with Kunan and Dan on Friday, Dan highlighted the actual amazing thing happened afterwards as well. So if you read it, that says, his reward for being obedient was he was the first guy to say, Beam me up, Scotty. He was teleported. Whoop, and you, it's scriptural. You can read it. He, he was literally teleported. Is that the right word? Whoop, somewhere else. Immediately. 
And when we chatted about Dan, explained it so well. So he was talking to this Ethiopian guy while the chariot was, or the cart was moving. And it must have been in his mind, oh my head, I need to walk back all this way. We don't know how far it was, but that must have crossed his mind that, Lord, I'm obedient, but uh, I need to walk back or hitch a ride back. This, this might be hard. But God rewarded him through his immediate obedience by being the first Star Trek movie star. <laughs> the second one I want to look at is Acts seven, eleven. So we all know Saul was this bad oak that just prosecuted all the Christians. This funny bunch that just makes a lot of uncomfortness in, in Jerusalem in the area. And Saul got his paper, now he's gonna just he's gonna crush this movement. And then on the road to Damascus, he had the encounter with Jesus and he was blinded. Um, you, you know the story. And then God spoke to Ananias and said, You need to go and pray for Saul. And I can just put myself in Ananias' shoes. He had good reasons to say, no, 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 no. That guy is actually prosecuting people like me. They're killing people like me. He's, he's the head boy. He's the wolf captain. Now you want me to go and pray for him? No. So I think he had good reasons to say no. But what we're reading is he was obedient and he went. And the result of his obedience... She probably unleashed one of the biggest apostles that wrote most of the New Testament for us. And Saul became Paul by the obedience of Ananias. We don't know what would have happened if Ananias said no and he didn't go. We don't know. Luckily he didn't. But I think as well that stood out for me in that piece is the importance of fellowship and togetherness. Saul was not somewhere under a bush. He was cared for by people, and then Ananias came. And the thing that struck me was, we are stronger together. This is not a solo sport that we're in. So, linking to the supernatural of Philip, 1 Kings 18, if it's a business call, maybe just... Not take it now. Um, 1 Kings 18, verse 45 and 46. It's a story of Elijah have this face-off with the, what's it, bald profeta. Um, we all know the story about the two bulls being sacrificed, and they gave the opposition a chance first, and they went bonkers and having fun, and nothing happened. Um, Elijah had a few jokes with them, and then he said, okay, well, leave, leave that, let me show you how it's been done. Or over water, we know the story. And then after all of that, he went to Ahab, Agab, oh, how did you say that in English? Ahab, that, that dude. He um, says, okay, the rain is coming, you need to go to your winter spot. Um, And he said, you need to go. Um, and still Elijah was there. And then the Lord tell him, 
you need to be there before, before him. And what he did is, I can just visualize in his mind, because they wore dresses. So they said, okay, he, he, he put his dress in a knot and he started running. And he outran the chariot and he was there before Ahab at his winter spot or with the place where he went to. And the Bible says roughly 20 miles. So it's pretty much a marathon in my mind. So he started late and he was there before. And again, he was supernaturally empowered based on his obedience a few hours before. And I think, I don't want to go to Genesis 22, but we all know the story of Abraham and Isaac. We God tested Abraham's faith and his obedience by telling him, take your only son and go and sacrifice him. The son you've waited for almost 100 years, go put him on an altar, sacrifice him. So, but Lord, that's the promise you gave me. And he stepped out in obedience and he, and he went, and God intervened. We know the story. And we, sitting here, are a living testimony of that blessing that Abraham was, was promised. So I think the bottom line of those scriptures are obedience will lead to a blessing. It might not be for you personally, but there will be a blessing. So the question might be, so what do I need to be obedient to? And then given that we've got a privilege of, of working with a kid's church, and some of your parents will smile as well, so when you go and fetch your kid and ask them, so what did you learn? Jesus. So what did you do? What did you find a picture of? Of Jesus. So did you learn anything new? Jesus. And that's the right answer. But what does that Jesus then ask of you and me? And I think that's where we're starting to drift into your piece of paper. So what is he asking of us? Everyone's got a different ask and might have a different answer. So in Romans 12, I think it's a bit of homework for each and every one of us to have a look at Romans 12 that gives us good pointers and you can test yourself and maybe ask a person that you, that you trust that's your accountability partner if you're married you don't need to look for one, you've got one with your spouse and go through Romans 12 because there's very specific things that he's guiding us how we should live how we should react to things. If we look at 1 John 2 verse 3 um, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. In the Amplified it says habitually keeping his commands. So it's not something as and if we want. It's a habit. It's like I've got a habit or an addiction. I'm not sure if what it is. If I wake up, I need to drink a cup of coffee. It's a habit. It's, a, it's just... How, what I like to do. So as a habit of drinking coffee, obeying Jesus' commands should be a habit. It shouldn't be something new. 
or something strange. And then the very familiar verse of John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commands. So the question I think today for, for each and every one of us is, what does God ask you today? What is the command he's asking? What's the question he's asking you? And if you already got something on a piece of paper, he wants you to act on that. And then again, Lindy will tell you, she calls me a little owl. Maybe not little anymore, but the owl. Because my question in Afrikaans is, who? Who moet ek het doen? Who? 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 Who will you eier say? Who will you coffee? What's it? So it's always important for me to answer the question of how. How do I do it? And I think, again, back to Francis' preach of, of last week of perseverance, the fundamental thing that came out of that preach of persevering, I think is also the fundamental thing of answering the how question. You need to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. That is based on time you put in with him. There's no, you can't get away from that. And the second is because of that time, you get to know him. Not about him, but you personally get to know him. You know, you learn to hear his voice. And that is to, to create your own story, your own experiences that you can base your testimony on. And the, one of the things that in my early days as Josh Chen, I wrote it down in a, in a Nota bookie. To have a dynamic, impactful life, I need an intimate prayer life. And I want to read, read it again. To have a dynamic, impactful life, I need an intimate prayer life. And the speaker was Chad. The second thing that we've touched on from the beginning is obedience. An immediate obedience. Not falling into the trap of a yes, no, but hesitation. Immediate also talks to, it doesn't mean you just need to jump in and go. It's you hear, you pray about it, you test it with your accountability partners or your com leader or your elder, but you act on it. If you just hide behind, I'm still praying about it. You in but. It's not a yes, it's not a no. You're sitting in that butt face on your butt. Sometimes common sense is the enemy of the supernatural. And I'm, I'm the first one that will say, I can tell you many stories that kept me ineffective because I used common sense. So I'm an industrial engineer on a piece of paper that Vasti in Pretoria told me. And there one of the professors said, industrial engineering is nothing but common sense. But common sense is not really common these days. And that was one of the things that the devil used to keep me 
in that apathetic and, and almost parani warm water umgeven. So I'm using common sense. This, this doesn't make sense. I don't have money to go to the US. It, it just doesn't make sense. Why should I spend time with my boy if I can have coffee with, with my elder or whatever? Common sense just was the enemy of the supernatural working. And it held my faith for a long time at a very low place. Because common sense was a thing I was holding on and not my faith. The second thing is obedience has a cost. But so does disobedience. Obedience has a cost. But so does disobedience. C.S. Lewis said, if you want a religion that makes you comfortable, then do not try Christianity. So we are not asked or called to figure it out. We are just asked to be obedient. So now back to our picture of the beauty and the beast. Some of you might have figured it out already, what I'm alluding to. Yes, there is a beautiful dance at the end between the beauty and the beast. And the change came when the beast was no, yes, but. Transition to no, yes, buts. I'm just obedient. I'm not going to find my place in overanalyzing, thinking it, common sense. Lord, I want to be obedient. And that's how the two meet. So it's the move from a no, yes, but to there's no yes, buts. And that's how the two gel. So I want to give an opportunity for people here today that can say, I don't know this Jesus that you said I need to listen to or I need to be obedient to. I don't know him. I heard about him, but I don't have a personal relationship with him. And I'll be disobedient if I don't give you an opportunity to come and meet the person of Jesus that changed my life. And there's a lot of stories that you can hear that people can share where Jesus changed their lives. This is just one bit that he changed for me in the very recent history of my little life of being a no yes but man to obedient. So with every eye closed, I want to ask if, if there's someone that can raise his hand and confidently through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, I haven't met this Jesus that you are speaking about. I want to learn. I want to meet him today. It's your opportunity. So if there's anyone that, that, yesterday, that is here today that feel today is your day, I want to meet this, this Jesus of yours. Please just raise your hand and we want to pray with you and we want to introduce you to him.
And then secondly, if there's someone here that says, my piece of paper, today it must stop. Whatever I wrote on that, no more. It might be I need to take out my phone and phone someone. It might be I need to set up a coffee with my wife or my husband or my child so I can't linger on this any longer. But it's been on my page for years. And it's tough. It's not an easy thing. If it was easy, it wouldn't have been on your piece of paper. It would have been gone. So I want to give an opportunity to pray with you into that, that thing that you wrote down. And if you have someone here that you know that you want to pull in, do that. And make sure we speak into that today. And if it's, if it's something that you want to repent, because remember in the beginning we said this is a day of restoration as well and hope. So if there's someone that feels, I need prayer, I need just some encouragement because this is a huge thing. I want to give that opportunity as well. So in closing... I hope my little testimony of how God changed through a dream of genie to be obedient to what the Lord is, is asking of me. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it gives you a big event in your sailor to say, but I also don't want to be a no, yes, but man. I want to be, I want to be immediate obedient to what the Lord has asked of of me. Thanks, Nardis. That was really an awesome word. And um, by the looks of things, um, there's one, two, three guys that's jumping up and down because, I don't know, it's really stirred something in my heart. I'm sure it has in each and every one of our hearts. You know, but I'm so thankful for, for the word that Nardis has brought because he really focused on, on the instances where there was a blessing in the obedience. But you know what the most profound thing about this Sunday morning for me personally is? How God is in the detail. Let me tell you about the detail a little bit. The kids in the kids' church are actually doing a lesson this morning. Um, and they, their lesson is about how Saul, King Saul, sinned. Um, and his sin, as you go through the lesson, which I kind of read through just because I, Timothy had to prep and what have you. His sin was that God gave Saul a very specific instruction when they fought the Amalekites. He said, kill everything, annihilate it, nothing must be left. King Saul, in his wisdom, thought that no. Um, well, I actually don't know what he thought, but what happened was, he, Samuel the prophet came to Saul and he said, what is this bleating of sheep that I hear? Did the Lord not tell you to kill everything of the Amalekites and to leave nothing behind? And you know what Saul said? He said, yes, but I was afraid of what the people would think of me. And you know, as you go, Naras gave us some, some homework in, in Romans 12. But do yourself a favor and go read that portion of Scripture in 1 Samuel 15 as well. And and I'm going to fast forward it to this portion 
where Samuel had the conversation with King Saul and said, but you were not obedient to the word of God. And it says here in 1 Samuel 15 verse 22, but Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For me, it's quite simple. That's, that's pretty much just the, I think the landing spot is to obey is better than sacrifice. And, and sometimes we also feel like, yeah, I'll sacrifice this, and it's a sacrifice. But it's actually not what the Lord asked you to do. It's what you think is a good idea, but it's not a God idea. So I just want, just in closing, I just want Dan to come and share something quickly with us. So there was a call from Nardis. For those of you who might be hesitating, and you can hesitate on many things. You can hesitate on to do the things that God has asked you to do, and you know what God's called you to. You can also hesitate when making the most important decision of it all, which is to give your life to Jesus. And just as we close this morning, I'd like to read a poem. This poem is by a, an Anglican vicar in the UK. Many of you may have heard it before. It's called When I Became a Christian. And I just want to read it because it talks about how we can hesitate, but hesitation breaks down when we look at Jesus. Let me just read this to you as we close. When I became a Christian, I said, Lord, now fill me in. Tell me what I'll suffer in this world of shame and sin. He said, your body, your body may be killed and left to rot and stink. Do you still want to follow me? I said, amen. I think. I think, amen. Amen, I think. I think I say amen. I'm not completely sure. Can you just run through that again? You say my body may be killed and left to rot and stink. Well, yes, that sounds terrific, Lord. I say amen, I think. But Lord, there must be other ways to follow you, I said. I really would prefer to end up dying in my bed. Well, yes, he said, you could put up with the sneers and scorn and spit. Do you still want to follow me? I said, amen, a bit. A bit, amen, amen, a bit. A bit, I say, amen. I'm not entirely sure. Can we just run through that again? You say I could put up with the sneers and scorn and spit. Well, yes, I've made my mind up and I say, amen, a bit. Well, I sat back and thought a while, then tried a different ploy. Now, Lord, I said, the good book says that Christians live in joy. That's true, he said. You need the joy to bear the pain and sorrow. So do you want to follow me? And I said, amen, tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, Lord, I'll say it then. That's when I'll say amen. I need to get it clear. Can I just run through that again? You say that I'll need the joy to bear the pain and sorrow. Well, yes, I think I've got it straight. I'll say amen tomorrow. He said, look, I'm not asking you to spend an hour with me, a quick salvation sandwich and a cup of sanctity. 
The cost is you, not half of you, but every single bit. Now tell me, will you follow me? I said, Amen. I quit. I'm very sorry, Lord, I said. I'd like to follow you, but I don't think religion is a manly thing to do. He said, forget religion then and think about my son and tell me if you're man enough to do what he has done. Are you man enough to see the need and man enough to go? Man enough to care for those whom no one wants to know? Man enough to say the things that people hate to hear, to battle through Gethsemane in loneliness and fear? And listen, are you man enough to stand it at the end, the moment of betrayal by the kisses of a friend? Are you man enough to hold your tongue and man enough to cry? When nails break your body, are you man enough to die? Man enough to take the pain and wear it like a crown. Man enough to love the world and turn it upside down. Are you man enough to follow me? I ask you once again. I said, oh Lord, I'm frightened. But I also said, amen. Amen, 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 amen. I said, oh Lord, I'm frightened. But I also said, amen. Lord, we... We know what you've called us to. We know that there's a world that is hurting, and you've asked something of us. You've asked us not to hesitate. You've asked us to give everything we have to you, our lives, our dreams, and to turn this world upside down for your precious son. So Lord, as we close, I just pray that your spirit would just fall afresh upon us. Lord, that you would empower us. That we would be quick to go. There would be no yes buts in our life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. And for those of you, if that stirred your heart and you feel you need to do business with God, don't wait. There's no time like the present. And so do come to the front here. Nardis and myself and a couple of others will be here. And we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you. Because there's no time like now. Amen.